The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Oh, yes. It is Tuesday, October 24th. And today is, oh, man, you're going to love this, Rico. It's National Baloney Day. It's also, of course, it's National Baloney Day if it's United Nations Day. And can't have Baloney Day without it being also Natural Foods Day. I don't know why those things all go together, but thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code somewhere up there in the top hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, as well as Twitter, Rumble, Facebook, and Twitch. So welcome to everyone joining us from, from any of those audiences, as well as right here on YouTube. But I do want to make one quick uh, formal announcement for everyone real quick. We do want to wish a uh, a much success and gratitude to Gretchen Gailey for all that she has done uh, on this show and with us on the, on this show. Um, she has chosen to go and do some other things to further her career, and so we want to wish her the best of luck and make sure that she knows that she's always part of the Hyatt 9 News team and anything that we can do to help her succeed in her goals and aspirations, we are more than willing to help in the endeavors. Our favorite spicy redhead. Yes, exactly. Exactly. We'll miss you, Gretchen. Yes, we will miss you, and we love you, and please, love you, Gretchen. Yes. But with all of that said, I do want to introduce the dope dad himself. That's right. He's he's wearing gray today because it is pretty gray in L.A. That's right. It is the dope dad himself. It is none other than Rico Lemite. There it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Jason. And for today, I want to go out to New York, right? And actually have some good news. And um can't wait to talk about it, right? So um today, um, as much as we criticize and poke fun at the emerging market miscues that could have easily been avoided by simply studying, um, <laughs> building upon the miscues of California's efforts on legalization over the past seven years, it's just as important to point out the good. 
not just to make folks believe that we're forcing a balanced view agenda on our uh, viewers like certain unnamed cable news networks, um, <laughs> but because genuine advancements have and can be made in technology, medicine, and general methods of getting fact-based information out to the public about what's real and what's not in cannabis as we continue our collective slow walk to whatever the fuck federal legalization ends up looking like. Uh, so for today's story, I want to give a genuine shout out to New York's Office of Cannabis Management for their efforts to truly point, uh, put to bed some of that reefer madness, uh, some of the reefer madness myths, falsehoods, and misinformation circulating around fentanyl-contained marijuana. So per Marijuana Moments, uh, Kyle Yeager, New York's OCM recently put out a fact sheet on the issue acknowledging that while fentanyl has been found in drugs like MDMA and heroin, Anecdotal claims about marijuana laced with the plant opioid are so far unfounded. There's a huge story that we covered last year um, where cops out in Connecticut had their own agenda and put out this misinformation. And there was very, very few people on the back end of that that redacted the story or you talked about um, how it was just a bunch of bullshit, right? So um, that said... Uh, the OCM's goal here uh, of the fact sheet is is not is, is to provide evidence where it is available to share information about what is currently known un and unknown, and to provide safety tips to help alleviate some of those issues of and misconceptions often spread um, through misinformed media coverage and anecdotal reporting. They said that misinformation related to the danger of accidental overdose due to cannabis contaminated with fentanyl remains widespread. Um, but anecdotal reports of fentanyl contaminated cannabis continue to be found uh, to be false as of the date of that publication last week. Um, the goal is not to minimize the dangers of fentanyl, uh, which is present in illicit drug supply and contributing to record high rates of overdose deaths. Um, and certain opioids have been identified in synthetics like K2, spice, um, in addition to cocaine, heroin, MDMA, and pressed pills. But regulators say that it's important to provide the public with evidence-based information about cannabis as the state's legal market is implemented. Um, that's what the article says um, is another point that OCM is trying to drive home here. Buying marijuana from licensed shops significantly reduces the chances of contamination overall. So the safest option for consumers is to transition away from illicit sellers to the regulated marketplace. That said, um, access remains an obstacle as the state's legalize, uh, legalization effort has provided, uh, has proved to be unexpectedly slow. Now, I love this messaging. I love how they're getting it out here. Um, and it's a, it's a strong case to be made, especially for the new people getting into cannabis, uh, to make sure that your shit is clean. Uh, one of the biggest gripes that I have about how we in California have handled the rollout on a regulatory level is missing the opportunity to directly combat misinformation. We're supposed to be the mecca of cannabis. And I remember hearing somewhere along the way, maybe you guys can help me out with this on the, on, on the team here. Um, there was supposed to be a $10 million in state funding actually earmarked towards cannabis education. But I don't recall really seeing much being done to engage with the general public to fight back against the massive amount of reefer madness agendas that we see on a daily basis and call out here on Hyatt 9 News on a seemingly endless uh, basis. So kudos, uh, kudos to New York and the OCM on getting this awesome infographic out. Uh, you guys can check it out yourself via the story link uh, provided uh, or at Marijuana Moment. Uh, it's been, it's got some really excellent data-backed and fact-based information on what's real, what's not, uh, what's unknown and, and what is known. And I wish more regulatory bodies use their resources on stuff like this. Uh, I'm Rico Lamite, dopest dad on the street. 
love to hear from the rest of the team. First Can we of, be reusing our resources better to get shit like this out and educate the public? Well, first of all, Rico, there's only one place to find this article, and that's at www.i9news.com. I love, I love, that's right. Check, check, check the lot, check the website. I love that OCM has taken the initiative to put the, to put to bed um, the lies. Um, um, it, not saying that, they, I, I think that the statement of them being very clear um, that they can't tell us what is on um, cannabis that is coming at, out of the non-regulated market. Um, and, and it's so ironic that I just had a roundtable discussion with the CCB in Nevada last week, about two weeks ago, and they are that one of the topics of discussion was public a public campaign for um, education campaign, um, and that was one of the things that I brought up that if people knew the amount of chemicals or things that were that could possibly be found on their non legal weed. Um, and, and really promoting and helping people to understand all of the tests that gets done on cannabis. In Nevada, cannabis is tested um, and regulated harder than our food. And I think if people knew that and knew how safe it was, um, just encourage, because we can't go after the people that are doing bad in the market. They're, they're, we don't have the resources for that. There's too many bad actors um, working in the illicit market. And I think that if we or the legacy market. But I think if we do a public education campaign and let the people know, this is why you're paying 20% extra for the for those weed that has been tested. Um, so you know what's in it, what chemicals are being used on it, what pesticides. Um, I, I think that this is great, New York. Kudos That's not why you. they're paying 20% extra, Nicole. Okay. Listen, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> taxes and fees that are put onto it that the illicit market doesn't have. I agree with and that. So I agree with that. I agree with that. The same thing they're paying for um, on the street doesn't have to go through testing. That's doesn't true. Have to go through labeling, packaging, all of the processes that have to go to make sure it's a safe product by the time it gets to the shelf. I I I, I agree with I agree with that statement. I agree with that statement. But I do think that a majority of the taxes that are placed on cannabis that cause it to be such an erroneous price to the end consumer really does deter the consumer from whether or not you know like like it's just like you said it's just like you said the cannabis is safer than the food that we eat and and from that matter i i think a lot of people take take the stance of where you know what if the government doesn't care that much about the food that we're eating why should we care that much about the cannabis that we're consuming right right agree totally agree Jason, and have, having these conversations price, like this. I, Jason, you said erroneous price. I think you meant egregious price. I think it's because you have the erogenous word on your brain this morning. Whatever, whatever. You're trying to take this to the gutter real quick. Real hey. quick, real quick. Hey, you know, you know, Yaro, Yaro, you do such a good job of taking us to the gutter on a regular basis. So, you know what I mean? I was just trying to give you the alley-oop right there. Talking about bad actors, all I was thinking about is how does she know I'm going to be that bad today on the show? Mm -hmm. I haven't even gotten started yet. At least you have your shirt on, Yaro, thank God. Hey. Hey. Yes. T-shirt. Did you know every T-shirt is crotchless? Well, I'm wearing one of those. I bet. I bet. I <laughs> bet. Just, just like, just like all chaps are assless. Uh huh. Don't get it twisted. Yes. All right. What about chapstick, Rico? Well, the chapstick doesn't go with the chap. Those are two totally different body parts. Okay. The chapstick is for this orifice. This hey, 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 chapstick. Are you is a sure? Brand. It's not actual product. Remember that. What if you named your brand. stick chap? 
back to misinformation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look, I mean, let's let's get real for a second, right? I read some articles when there were some events in uh, Golden Gate Park where the the San Francisco police were also talking about the threat of fentanyl on cannabis. And here's the thing: for like the first time in my angry little life, I was actually a little bit compassionate that maybe law enforcement just was a little underinformed about fentanyl and where fentanyl will get mixed and whatnot. And and the reason why I'm not mad at it is because this is arguably the, the biggest health crisis to hit this generation is fentanyl. So if they miss the mark on a few of these things, I'm going to say that's not like a reefer madness. It's just they are dealing with a massive, massive issue and kids are dying left and right. And okay, it doesn't go on. the, the People don't sprinkle fentanyl on their weed, but God bless them for trying to, 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 to rid the streets of what is a massive, massive issue, right? My thing is this though, right? I'm glad that New York is taking a, a you know, like a pole position on, on correcting uh, misinformation or a place where this massive threat isn't actually a threat. <clears throat> but yeah. I did have a little nail on the chalkboard moment when I thought about the fact that the, 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 the number $10 million had come up with this. And I, I couldn't. No, 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 no. no what, I was, what, I, what I was saying was um, in California. California was supposed to earmark $10 million to education and public education, oh, which okay. I really have not seen any of that. And I was, I was hoping you guys could help me out. Like, if you guys had seen any of those efforts, I and really have not. In the public, through my participation at Hyatt Nine News, where I bring funnies. We'll, we'll take that $10 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yaro, where's the ten million at? Okay, because we need to have these public ad campaigns going on across the state. And well, what what a majority of that money needs to be used for is to educate the general public as to why they should not be purchasing cannabis based off of BS THC percentages. Yeah, there's there's, there's a bunch of layups that mm -hmm. they have that they can take initiative with, but they don't. Mm -hmm. We continue we continue to see this uh proliferated throughout the uh the, the public and you see people debating oh is this real is this is this not like the government can step in yeah they have the they supposedly have the resources uh to step in and say this is what is real this is what is not this is mm -hmm. what is facts this is what is not and having that public engagement with people is what you're missing and that's that's where these conspiracy theories come from mm -hmm. right absence of actual evidence and data uh, means you're going to start saying popping off of the mouth and saying what you believe and not what's real, not what you're, not what you're actually seeing. Mm -hmm. They have so, the, they have the resources. If they're if they're pumping millions of dollars into trying to play whack a mole with these uh, cartel run uh, uh, grows out in the middle of nowhere, just giving people like misdemeanors and five hundred dollars like tickets and shit like that. Like why can you not put forth some of that into putting together some infographics? getting this out to the public or getting some billboards, getting that out to the public instead. I totally agree with you, Rico, especially when they already have 10 million earmarked for it. Look, look, here's the, here's the thing though. It's like, we, we all think that cannabis that's being sold on the street is coming out of like some like home or whatever. No, it's coming out of these multi-million dollar warehouses that can't sell their weed to the legal market. So they're selling clean weed probably to all these people so it's it's irrelevant this well, this whole conversation goes back to the one thing the the pejorative nature uh that's always <laughs> been related to cannabis and that's currently related to cannabis and the fact that we cannot uh, engage in commerce as normal freaking businesses in this country that's the biggest problem Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all clean weed now and and uh, the the reason that you find 
clean weed, I mean, weed laced with fentanyl on the streets is, yeah, it's not the grower that's putting fentanyl on his weed. don't find weed laced with fentanyl. Because whoever he's setting it, selling it to is using the same scale to weed, to, to weed, to scale out and weigh his weed that he is the fentanyl. Like, nobody's purpose, I don't, I don't think There's, the, there's absolutely no one. I don't believe Yeah, I, I'm with you, Nicole. There's absolutely no human being that is lacing their weed with fentanyl. No, 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 that's it's total BS. It's it's no blade in my apple at Halloween. I'm definitely not getting any weed with fentanyl on the street. Exactly. You can find that in a police precinct. And, and, and on that, we got to go to a commercial and we're going to be right back. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smokey Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. I'll put I'll put I'll put I'll put any bag any any bag up against any bag and there's not going to be any fentanyl in it. It's just depending on how many hands it's touched. No, it's not. No, 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 no. I'm not not buying none of that. Not buying none of that. And come to the stage next. Come to the stage next. He is the man, the myth, the legend himself. Some call him Kaiser Brose out here in the California market. He is the longest continuously operating retailer in the game, known for smoking on the best weed in the world, and he's probably smoking a bologna laced Spaloni laced. It's actual. It's actual real, real food. It's actually real food, Rico. Real food. Yeah, real terps. Processed GMO bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What Um, do you got for us today, Jason? Man, you know, first of all, I do want to give a big shout out to New York for that last story. I'm, I'm really excited that they're actually putting out some, some fact based reasoning and trying to curb this ridiculous story of fentanyl laced cannabis, but. I have another story, and we're going to stay in New York on this. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Oh, boy, because a bud tender at NYC's first legal pot shop is in Rikers Island on pot charges. That's right. An employee of the city's first legal marijuana dispensary is being held on Rockers Rockers Island on cannabis-related felony charge in a striking example of how pot, despite being legal in New York State, can still drag people into the criminal justice system as it remains illegal under federal law and those of several states. When police pulled over 33-year-old Jamal George in Brooklyn on October 11th, he was driving to a friend's house after a shift as a lead bud tender at the Housing Works Cannabis Company. They found he was driving without a license and that he had a warrant against him in Pennsylvania. The charges there stem from several cannabis-related charges he was arrested uh, for back in, in 2021. His fiance. Audra Ramos told the city 
that he had left his license at home. A little mistake was made, but he was fixing it, she said, noting that George had made trips back to Pennsylvania to deal with the charges there, but missed a hearing after one of the dates was moved up suddenly last year. That's when the warrant was issued. When police pulled him over in New York, George was detained. Two days later, he was sentenced to seven days at Rikers for the license charge. But more than a week later, George is still being held there, awaiting extradition to Pennsylvania, where he's facing a felony charge for possession with intent to distribute marijuana, along with six misdemeanor charges, including a DUI for a Schedule One drug. With no bail set yet in that case, which could carry up to 15 years in prison time, Mike Haskell, a former uh, colleague at the Housing Works Cannabis Company, who left recently to run his own consulting firm, has put together a GoFundMe to raise money for Georgia's legal fees and prospective bail. That's raised more than $10,000 as of Monday evening with Haskell's telling the city that uh, the cannabis community has really stepped up to support Jamal, and it makes me proud to be a part of it, he says. The district attorney's office in, in New York, or excuse me, in York County, Pennsylvania, said it did not com- comment on active cases, and phone calls on Monday to the public defender representing George in Pennsylvania were not returned, nor was a phone call to his public defender at Legal Aid in New York City. In a quote, no more arrests, no more convictions, no more incarcerations, cannabis lawyer Jeffrey Hoffman, who is not involved in George's case, wrote in an email to the city about the detention, calling it madness. A longtime cannabis user, George became interested in becoming part of New York's new legal market after legalization passed in March of 2021. And previously a bud tender, George attended a four-week training in retail cannabis work by the nonprofit Hospitality Pathways last year. In a quote, Jamal had always made it clear that he intended to work in the legal cannabis market, and he took the steps to do that, said his former colleague Haskell. And he said, for, for years, he's run a small edibles business with his fiance. The two have a child together and also volunteer to make birthday cakes for people who cannot afford them. Ramos was featured um, as a New York of the Week by New- NY1 News last December for their volunteer work. And George was one of the first people through the program to get a job in the legal marketplace, said uh, Beatrice Stein, who runs the nonprofit. In a quote, she says, we are heartbroken and we're just doing everything we can to try to help him, she said. While at Housing Works, George became a regular at industry events after seeing himself in the knowledge of various cannabis strains and types of products, his colleague said. And in a quote, he's just pivotal to their operation over at Housing Works, said Colin Decker, the owner of the cannabis brand Seven Seas, which sells its products to Housing Works. Decker spread the word about George's detention on his Instagram page after learning about this about it this weekend. And he, in a quote, he says, you can't expect expect like these other states to be where we are in New York. But regardless of that, it is still ridiculous how it's affecting someone's life, he said. Before starting his pathway in legal weed, George was arrested near York, Pennsylvania in August of 2021 and after a traffic stop for making a turn from the wrong lane. According to records and interviews, George and his fiance uh, Ramos were on a trip with their child to visit the amusement park Hershey Park a few hours away. 
Cops said they smelled cannabis in the car, and Ramos recalled when police searched the vehicle, they found packages of edibles that she says they had forgotten about. George was charged with possession as well as driving under the influence of a Schedule One drug based on a blood test, and because cannabis can stay in the bloodstream for days, a positive blood test isn't necessarily indicative of impaired driving the way a failed breathalyzer is indicative of drunk driving. Uh, something... And, Something states, including those that have legalized marijuana, have struggled to address. George made, made, made it to the first hearing in that case, but the date of his second hearing was changed, and, and the notice was sent to his address where he no longer lived. According to interviews with friends and family, he hadn't been hired at Housing Works yet and was having car problems last November when the warrant was first issued, said Ramos. Um, after George's nearly two weeks in Rikers, Ramos said... Uh, she is taking him less. She, she, she's talking to him less and less. He's getting maced every day in there, she said, starting to cry. And in a final quote, she says, I started telling him not to call me, Ramos said, adding that she can often hear people arguing while she's on the phone with him. And I don't want him arguing. I just want him out of jail, she says. A very, very heartbreaking story on this Tuesday, but I want to hear what y'all have to say about this. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think? It's sad, man. It's, this is so sad. sad. This is so sad. And the thing is, driving without a license, it's not that his license was revoked. It's not that his license was suspended. He just didn't physically have it on him. The police can look up and tell whether or not you actually have a license. The man left it at home. And I know the warrant came up when he when they ran his name. But this is just, I mean, come on. I think, um, I, I think basically what happened is he got pulled over. He, they, he didn't have a license. And then in the process of them running his name and whatnot, the warrant popped up. And then it had a, uh, a, a, no, a, a hold, basically, to where he was extraditable. And I, to my to my recollection, I know at least in California, um, they they can keep they can keep you up to like twelve business days, maybe even fourteen business days, while waiting for an extradition uh, to come pick you up to bring you to another state. Oh my yeah, God. I know. And, uh, yeah, I know the story didn't the, the story didn't uh, uh, clarify like how much that they found on him mm -hmm. or or anything. Um, they said they forgot the edibles were found in the car, but the cops claimed that they smelled marijuana in the car. Hey, I, I, in, in, in all fairness, I, I have I, I, I have I have had edibles that do smell like weed really bad. I have I have well, I have experienced that edibles business. So that it wasn't like it was like legal. Like, I think they have their own edibles business. It mentions that in the article. So it was probably some edibles that they make. And, you know, those yep. homemade edibles really do smell like weed. Exactly. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just sad all around. And they gave them intent to sell mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Like interstate, interstate trafficking. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, let's, let's break this down. Let's, let's break this down into a couple buckets. Let's break this down into a couple buckets, right? And like, there's a policy bucket. There's a human story, like the vignette bucket. And there's like, there's like a, and then there's what does this represent? Because there's a lot of people uh, who are who are doesn't, attempting doesn't, to doesn't this fall under a Joe Biden's pardoning of 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 simple possession? No, this has no, nothing to do with it. No, bro. That's the fifth bucket. That's the, the that's the the chuck it bucket. That has no, nothing so to like, do with this. There's no jurisdiction yeah, no. on that. So, so the, the first 
And, and the only thing he would have control over is interstate commerce and interstate commerce. He only he only pardoned simple possession. So. So, mm -hmm. so, so never mind that. So, so first bucket is policy, right? And so, like we've talked a lot, and we've had like the, you know, the shut the fuck up attorneys on 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 high at nine news. And the first bucket is like this idea that like the smell of cannabis isn't supposed to be probable cause for searching right. someone's car anymore mm -hmm. in states that have either a medical or adult use program. And so that's the first thing that comes up for me is like, is that really? Well, Pe cause? Pennsylvania doesn't have that. Pennsylvania does not have, does not have that law in place. You can be searched with, uh, with probable cause if, if the aroma of cannabis is in the car in Pennsylvania. So don't, Pennsylvania don't, does have a medical program, right? And they, so they, they do have a medical program, but it's very, very, very tight. And I'm not even sure if they even allow for actual flower. Right, because who would need flour of his medical patient, right? Yeah, so, but, so, but if you work in a cultivation in Pennsylvania, you're going to smell like flour when you come out of that cultivation. Period. So, so, so this would be this. This so in, intent to sell, and um, since he's a New York resident, this would be a federal charge, right? No, that. no, no, no. This, this, this is a state charge, uh, according to Pennsylvania, to from my understanding. Then, then Fetterman now, should let him out. Fetterman should just pardon him. Fetterman him don't out. have the ability to do that. He's a senator, federal yeah, senator. He has zero power with law enforcement in Pennsylvania. Charge. He yeah, could the, mo the most he could do is put out a statement saying that that he thinks that he should be freed, but that's about it. So, he, he, so should champion, he should champion this issue, and he should he should attack this immediately because this is right up his lane, and this is in his state, and he should be putting pressure on the so state. Look, to I agree with you, bro, but 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 let, let, think about what you're asking, Rico. You're asking someone that can't even dress up to go to work to basically you talking about Biden. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Fetterman. I'm talking about Fetterman. The fact that he wears hoodies and shorts. And, work, and, Jason. What do you mean by that, Jason? Exactly. You know like exactly what I meant. I just stated it pretty like obviously. How do you dress up to go to work? You see it right here, baby. Well, we talked about yep. the chaps at the beginning of the show, so you know, Rico, don't play dumb. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I want to get to this second bucket, though, right? The second bucket is this: the war on drugs was not a war on drugs; it was a war on families and war on communities, and it was a war on the on the family model. And when you lock up a bunch of people, you create you create parentless households, right? And so like this, you know, when she talks about not wanting to talk to her man on the phone in Rikers, that's code for he doesn't have enough juice in there to get enough ramen soups to be able to pay to talk to me every day. And I'm just trying to go easy on my man so he can just do his time while he's in there. And he doesn't have to think about all the things he can't control on the outside while he's in a fucking insane asylum for people who mostly deserve to be in mental health institutions and not just in institutionalized in Rikers. So like, this is really sad. There's a kid involved. There is a guy who wanted to go from legacy to legal. There's somebody who had a foot in both worlds. There's somebody right. who had knowledge they could contribute to a newly regulated adult use market and somebody who was putting the work in to try to be a part of that and to have all of that come screeching to a, a, a crashing halt because a, a letter was delivered to the wrong address and whoop-de-whoop-de-woo. Like the, the sad thing about this is that this is an everyday situation and 
men like him, women like him, parents like him are being separated from their parents, separated from economic opportunity, separated from the slivers of hope that they have that a regulated cannabis industry can provide them the opportunity to leverage their know-how and their who-know-what to be able to do something here. And this is the way that dreams are broken. One court appearance at a time, one missed court appearance at a time, one handcuffed moment at a time, to be handcuffed on the side of the road, sitting on the on the, on the on the curb and to have your children or a kid see that over what over some edibles yep. like mm-hmm. really 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 this is super super sad it is yeah. and jay-z, yeah. jay-z, jay-z said, said, you, you said, well said yeah yeah it, and you said about fetterman um uh, josh shapiro the uh pennsylvania's uh governor is supposedly uh, pro cannabis as well so they should well, be able hey, to latch you on know what? to this issue. There, there, there's and, enough people that are there's enough people that are pro cannabis in in Pennsylvania's legislature that I definitely do think that they should be doing something. But I am disappointed to uh, to understand that this story didn't touch on any of it, and so I only can assume that they're not doing anything about it. But on that, we are going to keep it moving. We're going to go right into our purple haired princess, Miss Nicole Buffong. She is purple plant magic you can also find her in las vegas on 93 the beat talking and spitting game 93 the beat no oh it's not did i fuck it out damn it damn it damn it jim but none other that's right it is the purple plant magic sorceress herself miss nicole buffon Thank you, Jason. (laughs) All right, today my story comes out of South Africa. Um, Fields of Green, 644 hemp and cannabis farmers in KZN, also known as KwaZulu Natal, to receive permits coming next month. KwaZulu Natal, member of the Executive Council for Agriculture and Rural Development, Super Zuma said that 644 hemp and cannabis farmers in KwaZulu-Natal will receive a permit to grow later this month. Zuma was responding to IOL regarding, that is the, um, whose article this is, um, um, IOL regarding some of the tactics they plan on using in legalizing the cannabis industry to allow rural communities to benefit from mass cultivation. I'm so excited to hear this. Um, Zuma, together with MEC for Economic Development, Tourism, and Environmental Affairs, Sibonisu Duma are championing the movement towards a green local economy. A total of 644 hemp and cannabis farmers who are on on the KZN Department of Agriculture and Rural Development's database will be receiving their permits on October 29th. We have the analytical lab, which plays a critical role in the determination of the quality of products from farmers. Our people will benefit from this facility. As we stated in our joint statement issued on Friday, Zuma said, the Department of Agriculture has a lab located on the municipality Musduzu, Musduzi, I'm, I'm, Musduzi municipality that is dedicated to the research and development of best farming practices and also educates farmers on standards and practices. For cannabis to be considered medical, it needs to be a certain quality in terms of um, THC strength. There, that's a misconception, but okay. MEC Duma said the province was going to utilize its many export gate- gateways to facilitate the trade of cannabis and hemp products to help empower residents in the trade. That means they're going to be exporting cannabis from South Africa very soon. These agencies will be available to assist ordinary members of society. We also have government departments and other entities that will explain how the legalization of medicinal cannabis will benefit ordinary members of society. 
Our target remains ordinary members of society. We don't want them to be left behind, Duma said. If you don't know, because I didn't know, KwaZulu-Natal, um, also referred to as KZN, is nicknamed the Garden Province. It is a province of South Africa that was created in 1994 when the Zulu Bantustan of KwaZulu, um, place of the Zulu, and Natal province were merged. It is located in the southeast um, region of the country with a long shoreline on the Indian Ocean and sharing borders with three other provinces and the countries of Mozambique, Eswatini, and Lesotho. Its capital is can't say that either. And its largest city is Durban. It is the second most populous province in South Africa with slightly fewer residents than Gauteng, which is a German word, which is interesting. Um, so I, I, I thought that this was great for this um, district in South Africa. I reached out to my people on the ground in South Africa and that and exactly how it's described here by Wikipedia, um, the garden province. There's land that is flourishing. We're being able to grow vegetables. It is the garden basket region of, of, of South Africa and them being allowed to grow uh, cannabis and hemp there is going to be huge for that region. Uh, my concern, um, because last year we got reports from South Africa that some of the hemp farmers that had already started their crops there were forced to get genetics from Germany instead of utilizing the genetics that are native to South Africa. And of course, those crops did not do so well. I wonder why. So my hope is that they've learned from that mistake and that they're listening to advocates on the ground and they're really ready to explore what local genetics South Africa has to offer the world and, and the value that having those genetics in the marketplace will bring to South Africa and to this region. So I'd love to hear what my fellow correspondents think about this story. This is Nicole Buffon reporting for Hyatt 9 News. I love it. Great I story. I, I, I actually thought that uh, that the European companies that were doing cannabis cultivation now are actually getting their genetics from places like Africa and South America because it's so hard to get out of America or North America. Is that is anyone else here? Can, can anyone? No, so when so when South Africa decided to allow hemp cultivation about two years ago. They were going on what the Western regions and Western countries were saying that it has to have less than 0.3% THC in it. And so the local genetics did not, did not make up, you know, it had to have less than 1% is what some of them were saying. Right. And so their genetics in South Africa did not test out to that. So they had to get it from somewhere else. Word on the street is that the, the high THC varietals are actually coming out of Africa and South America. Yeah. So that's okay, cool. I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that they really will dig in, really utilize the, they saying that they want to give it to local farmers. Well, these local farmers are familiar with local genetics. So I'm hoping they stick with their own backyard and take the genetics from these farmers that have been cultivating them for a hundred years. Um, instead of trying to go somewhere outside of Africa and, and bring genetics in. That's, that's my hope that they learn from their past mistakes. Yeah, yeah, so I was in Michigan last yeah. week, and I was talking to these farmers, and it was really cool. And I was like, well, "Tell me what you're working with." And they talked to me about the genetics they had gotten from Humboldt. And this, this, this very blue collar Michigan looking cat was like, he looked at me, goes, "All organic living soil." And I was like, "Oh my God, you're talking my love language, there, Bubba. Like, let's go hey. eat together." say as a general rule general. of thumb this is just a pro tip for the last 75 years those of us who know know the, the words germany and genetics are never in the same sentence with a happy ending okay like that, what about germany just, like do what you do over there make some great cars 
carry on with the good beer, but stay away from the genetics, please. Yarrow, what about what about germinate? Not allowed back in the playroom, okay? Yarrow, what about germinate? What about Germany as a cannabis market? No, germinate, germinate. Oh, listen, I did that last night, but Heather told me not to talk about it on this podcast. Oh, yeah, God. I love appropriation. Oh, Jeez. I love you, Yaro. Yes, and, and and on that, we're going to go to a commercial. I'm more about that German eye. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And... With the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yes, and we're back. Oh, that's right. Whatever you're doing, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And all of the articles that you see on today's show, you can also read them all on our website at www.highandnewnews.com. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, boy. Oh, I feel like there should oh, be come just on. a recording. Let's, let's, let's roll, Rico. While we're we got to we gotta roll. We got to roll. We, Yarrow, Yarrow, we're way behind time. We got to roll. All right. So this this fellow this fellow dope dad is known for uh, going from state to state, helping develop some of the greatest developments in edibles and in cannabis extraction. But he, nowadays, he is spending most of his time helping menopausal women. Learn to say hello, hi again, again, yes, again. Y'all know who it is, Saman Razani. What do you have for us today, my brother? All right, night. Well, I, I like the introductions; they keep getting better and better every week. Um, today we have a, a very interesting story coming out of New Jersey uh, from Marijuana Moment. New Jersey regulators seek input on expanding marijuana edibles to include infused drinks, baked goods, and more. If you know anything about the cannabis uh, manufacturer pro program in New Jersey, you know that there's a lot of restrictions, uh, namely the uh, the types of products that they that they listed in the title. So this is good news. Hopefully, there's some good comment uh, around this, and they accept and uh, move forward. Here's the story. New Jersey marijuana regulators are accepting public comments on proposed rules to expand the types of edibles, uh, the edible cannabis products that could be sold at licensed shops, including beverages, chocolate baked goods, and jams. As it stands, the state's legalization law restricts cannabis edibles to non-perishable products such as lozenges, pills, and gummies, a limited variety compared to other adult use states. Now, months after regulators already waived certain requirements to authorize the sale of additional marijuana edible types, the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Commission, NJCRC, has opened a 60-day public comment period on proposed rules to codify and expand an expanded list of infused products that, uh, that medical and recreational shops could offer. 
We believe that the cannabis edibles have the potential to provide an alternative and convenient method for adults to access cannabis. The proposed regulations aim to establish clear guidelines for their responsible production, labeling, and sale. NJCRC exec Executive Director Jeff Brown said in a press release last week. Under the proposal, the current rules would be amended to allow this for the sale of infused single-serving beverages containing up to up to five milligrams of active THC, as well as shelf-stable food, including chocolates, gummies, baked goods, butters, jams, and jellies. Workers who manufacture the edible edibles would need to undergo additional food safety training uh, on the causes and prevention of foodborne illnesses uh, like, uh, you know, like serve safe um, or just understanding getting a ASIP certification uh, out there. So that's really good. Uh, NJCRC has also proposed allowing ingestible products in the shape of a cannabis leaf to be sold, which is very big co compared to other rules in other states. They still could not resemble realistic or, or fictional human, animal or fruit or part thereof, including artistic caricature or cartoon renderings, but a cannabis leaf they will allow. The Maybe. The rules are part of a set of policies adopted by the NJCRC in September aimed at expanding product offerings in the New Jersey cannabis market. Regulators said key components of the proposed edible rule will enhance variety, safety, and quality of edible products. The public stakeholders and experts are being encouraged to submit feedback on the regulations by the December 15th deadline. The notice about public comment period and cannabis edible offerings expansion comes as regulators separately announce a new campaign to promote public health and safety around the state's legalization law, an effort that in part will involve encouraging adults to use cannabis delivery services to mitigate the risk of impaired driving. Applications for delivery service licenses, as well as other license types like wholesales, opened up last month. Regulators are starting by prioritizing people who have been disproportionately impacted by cannabis prohibition enforcement. Meanwhile, the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, NJEDA, announced earlier this month that it will be awarding $12 million in grant money to 48 licensed cannabis operators to help them start and expand their businesses. It's part of the state's effort to remove barriers to entry to the legal industry, especially among people from communities disproportionately harmed by the drug war. Governor Phil Murphy, Democrat, and Attorney General Matthew J. Platkin, separately announced that the state is making $5.5 million available, funded by marijuana tax revenue, to support a hospital-based violence intervention grants program. As, as of last month, state regulators began accepting public comments on a proposal that would create a new permit to allow clinically focused dispensaries to enter into a partnership with research institutions to carry out cannabis studies uh, using products that they grow or sell to patients. Separately, there have been some questions about the current supply of cannabis in the state as consumers face high prices, which have been criticized by regulators. It's possible that the forthcoming delivery service, wholesaler, and distrib distributor license expansion could help address the issue. As the state works to build on legalization, on its legalization law, Jersey City has been pushing back against a policy permitting police officers to use cannabis off-duty 
filing a lawsuit against a rule that the New Jersey Fraternal Order Police called an unfortunate waste of taxpayers' dollars in a statement last week. And that's the story for Marijuana Moment. What do y'all think about this expansion in Jersey? I think it's a no-brainer, especially if you want to compete um, against the trap market. I mean, you're you're creating a separate lane. If if you don't have these products readily available um, uh, and and tested and, and clean, in dispensaries in a quote unquote legal market like uh, people are going to do this on their own they're going to do it at home there's going to be you're creating an entire uh, separate secondary market for people to create their own shit that may or may not be safe and sell it on their own so i think it's a no brainer i mean what they're yeah. going to allow, allow them to use a cannabis leaf as a mold i think that's really really Listen, that's very forward thinking like or Starburst, yeah, like that's how you this that's how you say these are mommy's um gummies, mm-hmm. those are your gummies. Yeah, I, th- well, I think more more states should adopt this policy for sure. Absolutely. I mean, every week we read about kids who've gotten into edibles, and every week, as we're excited about the expansion of the regulated market and new users, we're reminded that this particular form factor has the greatest chance of being wrong hands. Right. Yeah. Like I said in the story before, man, I don't I don't see any FDA push to educate people about fentanyl lollipops. Well, I mean, I mean, suppress fentanyl there's, lollipops. There's, for those well, I, I, I think I think what happened with the money for that public education campaign is the same thing that happened with that 10 million dollars that California was supposed to allocate for cannabis education. Exactly. Yeah, well, I also think that they don't do any education based on, you know, the fact that they, they want it to be happening. The the state governments want to pacify, you know, as many drug users as possible. And the more, you know, the more die, then it's, you know, honestly less of a burden on the state. And that's why they don't do anything. I think that's the real, the real dark truth. But, uh, you know, unfortunately we spend a lot of money, a lot of our tax dollars, you know, you're in my tax dollars, Jason and Rico and, and everyone on the show to, uh, to really, to really do a lot of outrageous things and they need to really just fix our own shit and with our own money, that would be really helpful, uh, for everyone in this country, I think, uh, namely in the state of California, but that's, that's another, that's another ball of wax. Yes, it is. That, that, that it is. And on, on that note, we're going to keep this train moving. We're going to go right into a commercial. We're going to be right back. Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment. Through relentless passion, research, and innovation, King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown. Oh, yes. Coming up next, it's our favorite Florida man from Northern California. That's right. He does cannabis. Cannabis real estate and just regular real estate also like a big old pb and j that's right it is none other than mr yarrow kubrin you know the only reason i'm on this show is it's the only place i can get an applause 
and the canned applause is better than no applause. And so I'm still working on my self-esteem. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank, thank, thank man, goodness for man. Thank goodness for Cam representing Sarah, Sarasota Bastopol. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Florida and NorCal have a mashup of geography. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thank you so much for having me on. Welcome to High at Nine News viewers. My article today, my article today is about hemp. So in the seven days website. My article is Federal Hemp Regulations Trip Up Vermont Growers. Let's get to it. This is one's a mouthful. In 2018, Sam Vance decided to take a chance on cannabis. That year, Congress legalized commercial production of hemp, and Bellevance saw an opportunity to diversify his family's dairy farm. He started growing hemp, cannabis without the elevated levels of the psychoactive substance THC that produces a high on 10 acres in Alberg. He hoped to establish himself in the burgeoning business of CBD, a non-intoxicating cannabis compound marketed as an alternative health product. Bellevance company Sunset Lake Craft CBD created tinctures, topical oils, and even dog snacks. Sales increased each year. So when Vermont legalized the other kind of cannabis, the one with the high inducing levels of THC, Bellevance saw a chance to diversify even further. Last year, he planted a large marijuana crop, keeping the new venture separate from his hemp and CBD business. But in March, Bellevance was contacted by someone in the U.S. Department of Agriculture's hemp production program. In an email, the agency representative wrote that regulations don't allow for hemp licenses to also be producing marijuana, even if the license to do even if licensed to do so by the state program. The email said Bellevance could would need to surrender either his federal hemp license or a state recreational cannabis license. He was fluxed, which is a journalistic way of saying mad as fuck. It's like saying you can grow apples, but you can't grow pears, Balavant said. While dozens of states have legalized marijuana, it remains illegal under federal law, classified as a Schedule One drug on par with heroin, LSD, and ecstasy. That means those growing for Vermont's recreational marijuana industry aren't eligible for federal loans, tax breaks, or relief during emergencies such as this summer's flooding. Since 2013, federal authorities have taken a hands-off approach and have not typically prosecuted people participating in regulated markets in states where marijuana has been legalized. But as the USDA's notice to Bellevance shows, federal regulators are still watching and sometimes ready to crack down, sometimes seemingly at random. No one interviewed by seven days, including an attorney who specializes in CBD and hemp compliance, had previously heard of a situation similar to Bellevance. At least two of the 33 Vermont hemp growers registered with the USDA are also licensed by the state to cultivate weed. Neither return requests for comments. A USDA spokesman did not respond to repeated requests for comment, even after agreeing to answer simple written questions. <clears throat> Vermont's regulators, too, were stumped by Bellevance's situation and are seeking clarity as they grapple with a largely unregulated hemp market and unpredictable federal oversight. Quote, it's not just confusion amongst hemp farmers, said James Pepper, chair of Vermont's Cannabis Control Board, which regulates the state's marijuana market. I think there's confusion at the USDA about if this is possible or not. Travis Samuels, co-owner of Zion Growers, an industrial hemp processor in St. Johnsbury, lamented the lack of clarity. It's hard for small farmers to know what they can and can't do and who they can and can't work with, he said. They can't just operate as a normal everyday business, which is really the whole idea of legalization. Vermont wasn't the first state to legalize recreational marijuana, but it was a trailblazer in the hemp world. The plant has been legal to grow in Vermont since 2013, before Congress passed the 2014 Farm Bill, which allowed states to set up hemp pilot programs. We designed a program that had standards for pesticides, pathogens, potency, myotoxins, yeasts, and mold, said Gary 
Guguire, who spent almost 30 years with the Vermont Agency of Agriculture, Food and Markets. He is now compliance director for the Cannabis Control Board. No other state in the country was doing this. In the early days, hemp was a niche crop and growers had trouble sourcing seeds because the plant was illegal under federal law. But in, by 2017, farmers were seeing green amongst the opportunity to grow the, to grow the popular cannabinol, cannabinol, aka CBD. Congress gave large-scale hemp operations a green light in the 2018 Farm Bill. A number of licensed hemp growers in Vermont spiked from 85 in 2017 to 461 in 2018 and peaked the next year at 985 growers. But an oversupply and drop in demand for CBD caused the glut. The price of hemp plummeted in 19 and farmers were left in the lurch. Many transitioned to the legal marijuana market in 2022 once Vermont started issuing licenses for the nascent industry. Bellavance applied for and received the biggest outdoor weed license, Tier 5, which allowed him to grow up to 20,000 square feet of crop. It's about a half an acre for y'all. By that time, Vermont had relinquished its hemp program in favor of the feds. That meant the USDA would license local growers, although the state continues to regulate finished products. Bellavance, who was still making good money off his CBD line, had gotten one of the federal hemp licenses. Things were fine until the USDA email appeared in his inbox in March. The agency's agricultural marketing specialist wrote that he'd spotted Bellavance's two cannabis businesses while looking at the Vermont Secretary of State's website. A concerned Bellavance contacted Chelsea Spencer, a Texas-based CBD and hemp compliance attorney. Spencer believes the USDA, which in emails referred to Bellavance THC Enterprise as an illegal associated entity, is wrongly interpreting the law. The term associated entity is never defined in the Farm Bill, and she argues Bellavance two businesses are controlled by separate limited liability companies in accordance with a separate set of regulations. Therefore, she thinks he's in compliance. The USDA is stretching its interpretation of the Farm Bill here, Spencer told Seven Days. There are other confusing elements of the 2018 legislation. Pepper, the control board, thinks the state definition of hemp is an overly specific and overly broad. It clearly defines what, that THC levels are allowed in hemp products no more than 0.3%, but leaves out guidance on other potentially intoxicating cannabinoids produced by the cannabis plant. Many of those compounds can be extracted and marketed, which has led to an influx of unregulated hemp-derived products that can get you high. They're circulating nationally, but also ending up in Vermont, potentially undercutting the legal weed market. There are no regulations. There are no restrictions, Pepper said, and the products are being shipped through the mail. They're selling them online. We're seeing them here in Vermont. Regulators in other states with legal marijuana markets are reporting a similar influx of unregulated hemp products, according to Hemp Pepper. He and other officials wrote a letter to the federal legislators asking for a change in hemp guidelines in the next iteration of the Farm Bill, which is due for an update this year. Given the political chaos in Capitol Hill, it's unclear when Congress will act. For farmers such as Bellavance who are trying their best to follow federal guidelines, the consequences of the 2018 Farm Bill are being felt now. He did everything one can possibly do, said Pepper, and he still got caught in the crosshairs. Others, such as Dan Query, co-owner of Pittsburgh-based Vermont Terps Company, feel misled by discrepancies in state and federal THC regulations. There's about five more paragraphs. I'm going to like save you guys the uh, rest of those five paragraphs. I will just say that the article summarizes challenges and compliance for farmers. What do the rest of you guys think here at High at Nine News? Man. Wow. Cannabis what a shit show. Exactly. Cannabis is cannabis. Exactly. I mean, this is this is so it's I, I agree with the lawyer. Like, I don't think the USDA knows what they're doing. They don't like they don't. They, they have no idea what they're doing. Um the, the the plant has been legal now for five years and um that version or at least this version of the plant, and so it's a legit business. I, I just think it's 
ridiculous. It's crazy. I think this, it's pretty it's ridiculous. I, obviously, they don't have anything else, else better to do if they're checking um, licensing records in um, Vermont to see to see what owners also have a license to grow cannabis. Like, obviously, they know what they're doing if they've been growing it's just, for a certain it's just, amount of years. It's just a shorter trip for them to enforce, Nicole. It's just a shorter trip for them to enforce. It's not as far away. It's fault. It's interesting yeah. that they're using the definition of entities because when I think of entities, I think of legal bodies that are allowed to engage in commerce. I think of C corps, S corps, LLCs, limited partnerships, uh, etc. And so I don't think of entities as meaning that those are defined as being on the same parcel or big piece of land. You could have a 400 acre farm, and if you've got a half an acre of cannabis on the east side and five acres of hemp on the west side, I don't think of entities as being defined by address, APN number, tax ID number for a particular parcel. So I do think this interpretation of entities, if they're different uh, corporations that are set up to do business, is a curious approach. And I also think that we have to understand that entrepreneurs will always find the loopholes. Anything that's not explicitly defined is always going to be a place that an entrepreneur tries to take advantage of ambiguity. There's there's profit and risk, and we're constantly trying to seek that balance. But in the absence of explicit direction, entrepreneurs are going to be entrepreneurs. And honestly, that's kind of what makes America great. Yeah. Again? That's right. Again. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a that's a perfect. Yeah, that's that, that that's a per- perfect segue for you guys because I have I have one last story and it's super super quick and I love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Thank you so much for covering that, Yaro. And also, we do want to thank Willie from Vermont Alternatives uh, for sharing that story with us. Yes, yes, sir. Oh, you're gonna love this, Rico. I hope you can't. I hope you're excited. A teacher accused of bringing marijuana gummy bears into Wayne County Juvenile Jail. A woman is accused of bringing marijuana gummy bears into the Wayne County Juvenile Detention Facility while she was a teacher at the jail. Darla Spinner, 48, of Detroit, already brought the edibles to the jail in Hamtrak on July 12th. And Springer was charged with possession of marijuana on school property, and she was arrested last week and given a $2,000 cash bond. And that's all the story tells me about that. But, (laughs) oh, man, who is bringing gummies to school as a teacher? Look at this. She's she's just looking out for her... uh... She brought them to a juvenile detention center. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like you're going to juvenile hall and you're a teacher. You're going there to educate the, the kids and you put in your purse through the metal detector and everything. And everything's clear because they don't have weed detectors in jail. But for somehow, some reason, she ended up getting caught with them. It's, it's, te- it's teacher of the it's teacher of the year right there. She's trying to make sure that make sure that he stays calm mm-hmm. while confined. It was a hundred percent motivation for her students to participate, and I think she's a genius. I think she's a genius. Well, it does it doesn't say that she was giving them out to giving them out to students. It just says that she brought them into the into the juvenile school. Well, either way, she's still a genius because if she's dealing with the students with uh, cannabis edibles, I commend her. Good job, lady. Good oh, job, man. Okay. No, she's still sticking with bunny crackers and, uh, and, 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 and Girl Scout cookies. I mean, here's the thing, right? With the proliferation of cannabis with adult use markets, we're seeing more and more examples of people not being mindful of bringing quote-unquote contraband 
or an age-restricted product into certain environments. From Brittany Gournier and her travel to the article we covered today with the guy who didn't even who said he didn't even remember that there had been edibles in his car to this teacher, we're going to see more and more of these things, and it's a challenge because uh, as this product gets into the hands of more consumers and end users, the chances that these things are going to happen inadvertently are going to increase. I'm going to take someone at face value. I don't know them to be a liar. I don't know that they're saying something incorrect in order to get out of the consequence. But the chances that this could happen over and over and over and over are probably pretty likely. It doesn't sound like she took a, a, a product and then put it in an un unlabeled container, right? So it it seems pretty reasonable that somebody might have forgotten something in their purse. And I just hope that we can find a way that that doesn't become a bigger problem or a huge problem as it has been for more and more people who want to enjoy their gummies on a Saturday night. I mean, it's a big problem for her. It already cost her 2000 bucks. Those are That's expensive gummies on a per milligram yeah. basis. That's got to be a new world record. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Free Darla. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Free Darla. That note, Free Darla. And she's from the D. You know, that note, we, we are at the top of the hour, everybody. Thank you all for joining us for yet another episode of High 9 News. You can catch us weekdays live at 9 a.m. Pacific, High Noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing us love and getting their comments posted live on the big screen. To our live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, turning in each day to the daily headlines of chaos. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much-needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table as well. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, all the sponsors keeping the lights on, and usually our AV struggles to a minimum. We were pretty good, pretty damn good today. Pretty good, bro. I say so myself. Uh, as always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason that we show up to read these stories every single day, these headlines daily. Thank you it has been tuesday october 24th 2023 you've been blessed with the top headlines of the day hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow yarrow kubrin the sarasota bastopol saint <laughs> what do you got for us man take these people out y'all know where you need to come you better be back tomorrow morning at nine o'clock we keep it funny entertaining lively and spicy there's not another show where you can get that right combination with this type of guest pool so see you next uh tomorrow morning 9 a.m you should have called it a gene pool B baloney tacos for everybody today <laughs> hey it's this taco tuesday <laughs>